Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. The truth of the matter is there's never been a people group that have suffered and been persecuted and hated among the nations like has been the case with the Jews. From Roman times down through the ages, persecution of the Jews has been national policy in one country after another. It's really astounding when you look at some of these things. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Revelation. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 6, in a message titled, The Woman and the Dragon. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Now, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then, being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who is to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. These verses, actually the entire chapter, explain a very dark part of human history that I do not think can be satisfactorily explained any other way. When we understand the symbolism here, we'll understand why things have been and continue to be the way that they are. We'll see that history is indeed following a specific course that God foretold in this book, the Bible. And so there are things that have happened in the world and continue to happen today and and will happen yet in the future that God has laid out for us. And like I said, you, you can't really understand them apart from what God's word has said. And they have to do with the things that we're looking at right here in these verses. They have to do with the woman, the dragon, and the male child. And the question, first and foremost, is who are they and what is their past, present, and future relevance? And so as we look at this, we're, we're going to get an understanding, I think, into not only past history, but into the current state of affairs and where things are going. And of course, the book of Revelation is, is a book that's about the future. But in being about the future, it also has much to say about the past. So who is the woman that is being spoken of here? Now, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. 
being with child cried out in labor and pain to give birth. Who is the woman that's being talked about here? Now, Catholic interpreters would say that this is obviously Mary. And that is pretty much the, the Catholic position. So much so, uh, the Catholic Church is so convinced that this is Mary, that they have developed statues and, and images that depict this very thing. And I remember as a, as a kid, I remember being in the Catholic Church and being around you know, Catholic things. I remember seeing this image on a number of occasions, a statue of the Virgin Mary standing on the moon and having the star uh, or the, the garland around her head. And you know, in some way there was the, the depiction of the, of the sun and so forth. So I, I remember that clearly. And that is the, the position of the Catholic Church, that this is undoubtedly a reference to Mary, they say. Now, some evangelical interpreters believe the woman is the church. So they, they read the passage and they say, oh, no, the woman there is, is not Mary. The woman is actually the church. It's the church that's being referred to. Now, I personally do not think that uh, either one of these interpretations are accurate. I think that the woman is here a reference to Israel, to the nation of Israel. And I'm, I'm not alone in thinking that. Many others think that as well. And there's a number of reasons that I think that. I think the text itself and, and the overall you know, picture of the book of Revelation, I think that it necessitates that understanding, but we also have a, we have a biblical basis for that conclusion because this is not the only place in the Bible where this imagery is used. It's actually used one other place and it's used in Genesis chapter 37. And back in the 37th chapter of Genesis, that's the story of Joseph. And maybe you remember some of the details of, of Joseph's life and his story. Joseph had dreams. He had two dreams specifically that he told his family about. He had one dream in which he and his brothers were out in a field and they were harvesting and they were binding up the sheaves. And in the dream, his brother's sheaves all came and they bowed down before his sheep. And he told his brothers the, about the dream and they said, they said, what are you talking about? Are you going to rule over us? You think we're going to bow down to you? And they did not like that dream. They rejected that. Joseph was the, the favored son of his father, Jacob. So there was envy, there was tension. So anyway, they, they rejected that. But then Joseph had another dream. And Joseph told his second dream to his father. And this is what he said in his dream. He said, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. And Jacob, his father, responded and said, shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come and bow down to the earth before you? So Jacob interprets that imagery as being a reference to he, his wife, and his other sons, which, of course, was the nucleus of the nation of Israel. Israel came from Jacob. Jacob's other name is Israel. And so based upon that, as well as just what, what else is said here in the book of Revelation, 
I think that we have to conclude that the woman here is none other than Israel. And the woman is with child. And Israel was carrying the seed of the promised Messiah all through their tumultuous history. So remember, the the promise of the Savior was originally given to the first two people, to Adam and Eve. And then it it was specified that it, it would come through, you know, one of their descendants. It was then... Uh, Seth was was to be the one through whom the promise would be fulfilled. And then from Seth, it went to Noah. From Noah, it went to his son, Shem. And from Shem, it finally went to Abraham. And then Abraham to Isaac and Isaac to Jacob and Jacob and his 12 sons. And then ultimately through Judah, the Messiah would come. But all of this was there from the very beginning of the, of the well, all, all the way back to the dawn of time, but certainly from the beginning of the history of the nation, that the, the nation was in a sense what you might say they were pregnant with the promise of the Messiah. And so Israel was carrying the seed of that promise all throughout their history. So the woman is Israel. But then we come to the dragon. Who is the dragon? Well, it says here, another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads, 10 horns, seven diadems on his head. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour the child as soon as it was born. The dragon is clearly Satan. And we don't have to go far to discover that because verse nine tells us exactly that. Look at verse nine. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old or that ancient serpent called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. So we've got the woman who is Israel. We've got the dragon who is Satan. And then we have the child. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to the throne of God. The child is Jesus. Now, that seems to me pretty clear and undeniable, but there are interpreters who have said, no, no, the, they, they find that the child is representative. Some, some have even said, no, the child is the church. But I think clearly the child is a reference to Christ the male child has to, who's to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Of course, that's what Jesus is to do. And the child was caught up to God and to his throne. So this is, again, is sort of the bigger picture look at the events that are taking place. But it's a behind-the-scenes look as well. Because it's showing that in Israel's history and their experience... Even in the coming of the Messiah through Israel, behind the scenes, there's this war that's going on. There's this attempt by the dragon, Satan, to thwart the the fulfillment of the promises that God gave to the nation. And so as we look at the passage here, we see that there is opposition coming from the dragon, Satan. There's opposition to the woman and the child. And if we go back in the history of Israel, we find that this is exactly the case. So in the the long history of the nation of Israel, now this is all leading up to the coming of Christ. Prior to his coming, in that long history there, 
there are five attempts on the part of world powers to annihilate the Jewish nation or to either, either to wipe them out or to assimilate them so that they no longer have a distinction. And you find that that was attempted by the Egyptians. And of course, that's where the whole exodus began there with God delivering them from Egypt. But a similar thing was attempted by the Assyrians and then by the Babylonians and then by the Persians and then by the Greeks. Each one of these world powers, they were all world powers at one, uh, at a given time in history, uh, each one of them sought to wipe out the nation. And of course, as you look behind the scenes, you realize that it was Satan, it was the, the activity of the dragon behind the scenes that was driving them to this end. And, and there are many times in the Old Testament where we look and we see that the, the curtain is sort of drawn back, if you will, and we get to get a, a behind the scenes look at things. So for example, in Isaiah chapter 14, there's a prophecy against the king of Babylon. And as the prophecy is going on against the king of Babylon, suddenly, without any explanation, it transitions from a prophecy about the king of Babylon and a judgment to speaking directly of Lucifer, Satan, the devil. You have it in Isaiah 14. You have a similar thing in, in, in Ezekiel 28, where it's the king of Tyre that's being spoken of, prophesied against. And then again, suddenly it shifts over from the king of Tyre and you're looking at this anointed cherub who covers this one who's perfect in wisdom. And again, the explanation, of course, is that you're, you're looking at Satan. And then you see a similar thing in the book of Daniel. You see in Daniel, there's references to the prince of Persia, references to the prince of Greece. And in both cases there, it's not talking about the human rulers, it's talking about the spiritual powers behind them. So my point is this, in all of these attempts to annihilate or assimilate Israel by these leading world powers, Satan was the force behind it. But then, because all of this, of course, I think was an attempt to prevent the Messiah from coming, but of course God overrules and the Messiah does come. But then when Jesus comes, just as we read here in the text, the, the dragon is there before the woman waiting for the birth of this child so he might devour it. Now, remember, Satan had, he did not know when Jesus was gonna come any more than anybody else did. So all throughout their history, he's looking to see when that moment might come and he's trying to prevent it from happening. But then it does happen. He's not able to stop it. Jesus comes, but... He seeks to destroy Christ before he can accomplish his mention. And so we see from the very beginning, Jesus is born. And what happens? Immediately, Herod seeks to destroy the child. And you remember the story there. The, the Magi, they come from the east they, they hear that this king of the Jews is, is born. They come to Jerusalem and they're asking the question, where is the one who was born the king of the Jews? Herod gets wind of this. And so he calls the scribes together. He says, where's the Messiah to be born? They said, in Bethlehem. That's what the prophet said. 
And so what does Herod do? He sends out his forces and he commands them to destroy all of the, the male children in Bethlehem, two years old and under. He's gonna try to wipe out the Messiah before he can ever accomplish his mention. So, of course, we see the satanic inspiration behind that. But as we go on through the life of Jesus, you see many occasions where there are attempts to destroy Jesus. Think of the story in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus is in the synagogue in Nazareth. And this is at the very beginning of his ministry, and he declares to them that he's the fulfillment of Isaiah 61. Behold, the, uh, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and so forth. Jesus reads that passage and he says, today, this prophecy is fulfilled in your hearing. And instead of embracing him, they become enraged that he would suggest that he's the fulfillment. And it says that they drove him out of the synagogue to the edge of the cliff upon which the city was built and they sought to throw him over the cliff. They attempted to kill Jesus. And as we follow along in his ministry, we find that oftentimes it was the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Herodians, they were all conspiring together. They were all looking for opportunities to silence him. They were all looking for opportunities to kill him. And finally, of course, the chief priests and the Roman authorities did conspire and they thought that they accomplished their mission. They put Jesus to death, but he rose from the dead and then ascended to heaven. And that's what we have here, that the male child, he was caught up to God and his throne. Now, again, my point is, the point that I'm making is, is the satanic inspiration behind all of this activity. And lest you think I'm just exaggerating the case, remember in the gospels, it says, in regard to Judas, that Satan entered Judas and Judas betrayed Jesus. So you see the devil was behind the whole thing there. So he doesn't, he's, he's unable to stop the plan of God in, in bringing the Messiah into the world. All of his efforts to wipe out the, the nation or to corrupt them so thoroughly through false religion, everything fails. God brings his, his promise to fruition. Jesus comes, he dies, he rises again, he ascends to heaven. But the, the persecution of the Jew doesn't stop. The, the hatred of the dragon doesn't stop at that point. And so now we're looking at the history of Israel or the history of the Jewish people after the time of Christ. And one of the things that stands out in, a, in an extraordinary way when you look at the history of the Jewish people is the persecution of the Jews. And it, it, it is a historical fact that there has never been a people in all of history that have been persecuted like the Jewish people have. Now, that's not to take away from the fact that other people have been oppressed and are still oppressed. It's not to, to take away from other attempted genocides that have occurred over the centuries. Of course, you know, all of those things are realities and they're horrible realities. But the, but the truth of the matter is there's never been a, a people group that have suffered and, and been persecuted and hated among the nations like has been the case with the Jews. From Roman times down through the ages, persecution of the Jews has been 
national policy in one country after another. It's really astounding when you look at some of these things. So from the dispersion of the nation in 70 AD, now 70 AD, the Romans, they destroy Jerusalem, they slaughter a huge number of Jews. It's debatable as to how many were slaughtered at the time, but some say that over 100,000 were slaughtered and a million were carried off into captivity at that point. Nobody knows the exact numbers, but there was a, a, a destruction. They were carried off. So from AD 70 to the time of the Holocaust in Europe, Jews have suffered one persecution after another in almost every nation that they have found themselves in. And of course, under Hitler, and some of us would know these things better than others, but under Hitler and the Nazis, six million Jews were murdered from the years 1933 to 1945. And that is a number that is so staggering. It's, it's almost inconceivable to think of that number of people. And it, and it wasn't limited to you know, Hitler and the Nazis. There was a complicity in m many of the surrounding nations to destroy the Jews. And uh, many nations of the world were involved in either directly attempting to destroy them or preventing them from finding refuge and so forth. And, you know, when you read the history, if you've read any history of the 20th century or the Second World War, uh, the rise and the fall of the Third Reich, those kinds of things, all of this stuff is just, it's unbelievable. It's inconceivable almost that this actually happened in the world. In, the, in his opening statement for the prosecution at the Nuremberg trial, and for those of you that don't know, the Nuremberg trial was the, the, trial, the, the trials of the remaining uh, Nazi leaders. They were tried after the war was finished and they were sentenced and so forth. But in his opening statement, the prosecution there at the trial, Justice Robert Jackson, he said this. He said, history does not record a crime perpetrated against so many victims or ever carried out with such calculated cruelty. So he said there's nothing like this in history. And he was right. Nothing like this in history. Now, here's my, my point. I have a few points, but one of the main points that I want us to, to understand today is that this thing that we're talking about, this, this persecution of the Jewish people throughout history, the biblical explanation for this is that the dragon has been at war with the woman from the beginning, trying to destroy the woman and ultimately thwart the plan and purpose of God. That I think is, is really in the end, the only satisfactory explanation for this unique experience of the Jewish people. Now, this isn't over. It isn't over. And that's, that's the thing that's, of course, tragic and frightening. But the dragon will make one final attempt to destroy the woman. And that's what this chapter is telling us about. 
and look with me just real quickly at verses 13 and 17. Verse 13 says, now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. For the month of July, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, The God I Won't Believe In, Facing Nine Common Barriers to Embracing Christianity by Nick Cady. Have you ever prayed to God only to feel like he didn't answer your prayers? Or have you ever wondered, if God can help me, then why doesn't he help me? Many have faced this exact barrier at one point in their life, both Christians and non-Christians alike. Well, in his book, The God I Won't Believe In, Nick Cady addresses this very topic that has hindered so many during different stages of life and that are hindering many today. If you want to understand what the Bible reveals about this topic or other barriers to embracing Christianity, you need to get this book. The book, The God That I Won't Believe In, Facing Nine Common Barriers to Embracing Christianity by Nick Cady is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Revelation. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.